welcome to my mommy's podcast. Hi, and happy new year 2018, and welcome to the Healthy Moms podcast. I am Katie from wellnessmama.com, and thank you for spending time with me today. I'm excited for the new year. I actually find it really hard to believe that 2017 is already over. Uh, I know for our family, it was an amazing, busy, crazy whirlwind year, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, One of the highlights for us was definitely taking a 7,500-mile RV trip that lasted seven weeks and covered 19 states, and we were homeschooling during that and trying to run the blog and everything else during that, so it was a whirlwind and it was crazy. Um... Other than that, we traveled out of the country twice as a family, and any kind of travel with six kids is crazy, but international especially, and I also took a trip to Switzerland to learn at a natural medicine clinic there, and I'll be sharing a lot of that information over the next year, and I might even have a chance for you guys to actually go visit, so uh, it's pretty awesome. I got to hike an alp while I was there, so funny story about that. Um, When someone from Germany says you're going to go on a little hike, their definition can literally sometimes mean hiking over an alp. I think it was like a 20-mile hike. It was very long, um, awesome, and very tiring. And let's see, also this year, I think by the numbers, I've cooked a 1,000 meals for at least eight people and uh, spent, I think, probably like a third of my time feeding all the children in my house. Um, But it's been a wonderful year, and I think 2018 will be just as exciting, if not more so. And I'm really looking forward to this next year and am looking forward to spending some of that time with you. And this is the time of the year that my husband and I really sit down and we set our experiments and challenges for the next year. And the reason we call them experiments and challenges instead of goals uh, is kind of several fold. So basically, the way our mindsets work, we're both very type A and With goals or resolutions, it's possible to succeed or fail. You either reach it or you don't. And there's a time and a place for those. And I'm actually um, a big fan of setting goals. But when it comes to um, things we're going to do together or to to things that um, are important to our family, we tend to focus on experiments and challenges instead because um, experiments are designed to test a hypothesis. So there's no possibility of failure. There's only learning, either proving or disproving, but either way, you learn from it. So um, for our things that we do together or for our family, we just, we call them experiments and we focus on those instead. And this tends to evoke a lot more action and excitement than just the idea of goals or resolutions. So we keep the focus there. And it's something you can try if you have set resolutions in the past or goals and had trouble reaching them. Uh, Maybe this year, call it an experiment or a challenge and let it be fun instead. And this comes somewhat uh, from the idea that Tim Ferriss put out there. He says that he thinks of life in terms of two-week experiments and six-month projects. And both of those are basically much more doable. Like I said, this creates a mindset of experimentation, which means that even if things go wrong or you don't do, or accomplish what you hope, you learn from them. And it also makes everything much more doable and bite-sized. I think the idea of like a one-year resolution or goal or a five-year plan can be really hard to break down into achievable pieces. And as humans, it's easy to think, oh, well, I'll just... I'm going to do it in five years, but I'll really start focusing on that in the last two years. And you put it off when you could be taking action right now. So um, this is a fun tip that we do. And so I'll be sharing some of our, the exciting parts of our challenges and experiments soon. Um, But as a sneak peek that I'm only telling podcast listeners for now, uh, Wellness Mama is going to slowly start becoming much more of a community than just a blog. So I won't be the face of and the only wellness mama anymore. Um, that's all I'll say for now. More on that soon. But just look for some really fun 
and exciting changes and all of it with the goal of reaching more families and creating a community that helps you guys. Um, But for now, I wanted to share a few of the experiments that I'm going to be focusing on in this new year and also a few fun ones that you can try that are essentially either free or almost free. So um, first and foremost, the new one I'm going to be trying really soon, starting January 9th, if you want to join me is a food-based detox, basically a soup cleanse. I'm running this together with my friend, Krista Arecchio, um, who is a clinical nutritionist. And she's also just a super amazing human being. And she's pregnant with her first child and due very, very soon. And so as she prepares for birth, and as all of us um, probably maybe overindulged a little over the last couple of weeks, uh, we decided to team up to do basically a whole life reset, which would be, it's going to be a food-based soup cleanse. So you're not fasting, you're not taking any crazy supplements. Uh, She's going to be guiding us through a soup-based cleanse where um, it's very just targeted specialized soups that target different organs in the body to try to like revive your entire system for the new year, get things digestion going well and the immune system strong before flu season. And I'm going to be guiding a lifestyle reset of helping to just reset your home to more natural, less stress, more planning, and getting the chemicals out. I know a lot of you guys are already there, but if you want to join us, I'm going to be doing it, like I said, and I know a lot of people have already joined on. It's going to be super fun. Um, We're going to have three live webinars where you can talk to us and ask questions, and I'd love to see you there. You can find out more at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash soup dash detox. So that's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash soup dash detox. Um, So yeah, find out more there. And I'd love to see you on those webinars and to chat with you. Uh, Another thing that we're doing this year is our experiment and challenge that we do every year is refining our family manifesto. And so what this means is I think it's easy um, because family life can be so busy and have so many challenges to just kind of get stuck in a rut uh, or to be just trying to put out fires more than being able to actually like proactively Uh, have a plan because there is so much busyness. And so as a family, we've been uh, each year adopting a manifesto that helps us all be more intentional, not just in the new year, but beyond that as well. And this comes from the idea, my husband and I have always had some long-term objectives and things we hope to impart to our kids before they leave home. But now as they're getting older, we're trying to make them an active part of this and make them feel very much a part of the family culture uh, and uh, important to it. And instead of just passive students or rather than us trying to just teach them things, quote unquote, or like impart things to them, making them an active part of that process. So um, I'm actually going to be sharing a lot more about our family dynamics and our parenting decisions in the coming months, because a lot of you guys have asked about homeschooling or parenting or how we're creating an entrepreneurial mindset in our kids. But we've been refining this family manifesto over the last few years to focus on things that are important to us. And like I said, to help create a family culture. And I'm going to be, like I said, delving into a lot more of this soon, but this is just one of our New Year's experiments that we always do. And so some of the things, for instance, that are in our family manifesto that we include as a focus and that we're very intentional about, uh, I mentioned the entrepreneurial mindset, which um, this is something that's very important to both of us. And it's important for us to teach our kids because um, I really do think that our children's generation, especially, they're going to face quite a few problems, especially the way the world's looking right now and the environment and uh, just there's a lot of problems. And so we it's really important to us to raise them with an entrepreneurial mindset to try to tackle these problems. So basically a mindset of solving problems and thinking outside the box and 
connecting the dots where other people aren't connecting the dots. And so we have a lot of ways of doing that. Like I said, I'll be explaining more of those soon, but those are really important things to us to impart to them. Um, Along with that, we have it as part of our family culture and our manifesto uh, to always cultivate the skill of learning new skills quickly. And the reason for this is what we really strongly feel with our kids and especially homeschooling them and being responsible for their education, that we truly can't actually know the things, the skills that they're going to need when they're adults, because likely a lot of those skills have not even been invented yet. So for instance, if I had tried at my son's age, age 11, to learn how to grow an online business, it would not have actually been possible because that platform that didn't exist, that job, that that experience did not exist in the world. And that's going to very likely be the case for whatever they choose to do in life as well. So what we can do is teach them how to learn quickly and to say yes to new opportunities and then figure it out as they go. Uh, that way, whatever they end up doing in life when they're older, they'll have the the skill set to be able to adapt to it. So like I said, I'll be sharing more on this soon, but um, that's something we really cultivate in our family and we challenge ourselves as adults to do too, is to try new experiences um, and always to make learning a part of every aspect of life and to focus on being able to learn and implement new skills quickly. Um, and I mentioned a little in passing, but another part of our family culture is the uh, focus on trying new things and getting out of our comfort zone, which I think I would say I and the family have the most struggle with this. Um, my husband's very naturally adventurous and all of the kids are too, which I think means I'm going to be naturally gray haired by the time I'm 40. Um, but from all the, the, their daring which I love. I love their independent spirits. Um, but they're really good at trying new things and getting out of their comfort zones. And we always try to encourage them and ourselves. And I think it's usually easier for them than for us um, to, if you have opportunities that come down the road, accept them, try new things, get out of your comfort zone and figure it out as you go. Because at least uh, I know for me, I tend to learn more quickly when there's pressure. Unfortunately, I think most of us do. But that some of the unexpected opportunities have been the ones in life that I've learned the most from. Uh, Another part of our family manifesto, especially now as our kids are getting older and having a lot more friends involved in their lives, is that we love and include everyone as part of our culture. And so um, that means like there's a lot of kids in our neighborhood and a lot of families that we're around all the time. And as our kids are getting older, we're really trying to encourage them to Um, Make sure that everybody's being included, that everybody gets to be part of the group somehow to also to stand up and be the voice for those who are getting left out. Because I think that's it's easy to happen. It's natural with kids, Um, but it's also a good reminder for adults uh, because we certainly all need community and we certainly all need to choose people um, who we feel supported by and who we can support. Um, But I think that it's also important sometimes and sometimes lost in today's world to remember that we can still love and include everybody, even if we're not their best friend. So that's a good childhood lesson that we're trying to remember as adults as well. And then another aspect of our family manifesto and our culture is that we always learn, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're learning in school. And again, that goes back to the fact that the skills they may need to know as adults likely don't exist in the form they're going to need yet, but we always, always are going to need to learn new things in life. And so to look for the lessons in life wherever they are. So another thing, I'll, I'll get back to one in a minute, but um, we also have it as part of our culture that we don't shy away from unfairness and failure. So if you've been, ever been around me and my kids, if they ever say something along the lines of, it's not fair, they get a lecture from me. They've actually stopped saying it because they all know the answer now, but um, they get a lecture along the lines of, congratulations, you have figured out 
one of the great facts of life that a lot of kids don't learn until they get to be much older, which is that life is actually not fair and nor is it equal. And there's going to be lots of things in life that we can't control and that don't shake out equally for us. And there's going to be those who have much more than us. There's also going to be those that have less than us and we have to be cognizant of helping them. But life certainly isn't fair and it certainly isn't equal and it doesn't necessarily need to be. But we should learn from that the importance of helping others whenever we can. And also, um, there is a lesson, too, in accepting things from those who we can learn from or who can help us at times. Um, So we foster unfairness because, as any adult knows, certainly life is not fair. I cook like 85% of the meals and I only eat one-eighth of it. And that's on a good day when the kids aren't that hungry. Um, There's many aspects of life that aren't fair. And... We shouldn't necessarily expect life to be fair all the time. And we also foster failure. And I talked about that a little bit earlier um, as far as with experiences and goals and um, that it's possible to fail from a goal, but not an experience. But in daily life, we try to keep that as kind of our, our culture as well, that failure is a good thing because you always learn from it. And also realizing as adults, most of the time in life, the things we look back on that seemed so, so, so difficult at the time. In two years, when you look back, you have learned from and they don't seem nearly as hard. And so we don't try to protect our kids from failure, but we try to uh, let them try new things in a safe way in our home in a way that we can help them and also let them fail sometimes and learn those lessons while they're still here and we can nurture them and talk them through it and hopefully they can learn from it. And another thing now that we've got almost teenagers, which I can't believe I actually say those words and I feel quite old when I do, Um, Something we do that's part of our family culture that is definitely probably unusual, and I'll talk more about this as well this year, so we homeschool, and they'll finish most of their formal education before about high school age. And this is really, there's an important reason for this in us. Like I said, we're trying to raise uh, children who, if they choose to be, could be entrepreneurs or who at least have an entrepreneurial mindset of trying to solve problems and to help people. And so part of this is they're finished with their formal schooling where they can pass and do well in the ACT or SAT uh, at that point. And that will give us years to just stick to the basics and then be able to nurture them in what we're calling like a business incubator for our kids. And what we're trying to do there is teach them again, those lessons of failure of creative learning and adapting to new things quickly and implementing things and thinking outside the box. So as part of that, we are encouraging them before they leave home and certainly before we would ever give them a car or a driver's license that they have to learn and they have to run a profitable business for one year. And this may not be, uh, it doesn't have to make a lot of money. It doesn't have to uh, do anything extremely large scale. It could be something local. It could be, a, you know, lawn mowing or landscaping or something. But to us, this is a really good way that we can teach them a lot of lessons about managing finances for one and accountability and responsibility. And also, of course, the focus of helping others and improving things, whether that be in our local community or, or a larger community. Um, so it's going to be fun as we start transitioning. This has been part of our family culture and plan for a long time. And now we're starting to have kids old enough that we're starting to get to nurture them in these new ideas. Um, But again, more on all that soon. That's just part of a lot of what we've been talking about as a family as we approach the new year. Uh, Another thing I'm doing as a as an experiment for myself this year, I'm refining the journaling process. So I've always kept some aspect of a journal. Um, But this year, for the sake of research and a bunch of new health things I'm going to be trying, I'm really um, getting a much more detailed journaling process going. So um, I I like to keep 
just like leather journals. I do also have the, I've tried the five minute journal, the bullet journal, um, a lot of those, but right now I'm just using a leather journal that I write down things I'm grateful for. I write down, um, like just a, a health picture overview of the day, um, supplements, um, if I'm t- testing blood glucose or ketones or any of those, that data goes in there because that lets me see longer term trends and it takes two minutes a day. It's kind of fun. I also put in there parts of my daily to-do list, especially my two most important things, which is another, this would be number three on my new year's experiments list. And I've done this for years. It's just one I always continue each year, um, which is my top two list each day. So I have a rotating or a, an ever growing list of things I need to do, but every day the two most important move to the top. And the reason for that is if all I can get done that day, besides obviously feeding my family and keeping up with the household, if all I can get done is those two most important things, then I can consider that day a success. So again, it goes back to making long-term things much more accomplishable on a smaller scale and a daily basis. Uh, That also just really helps me not get overwhelmed. And I've shared before a little bit about my Um, whole plan and how I kind of run my life according to a schedule. Um, That helps a ton as well because I know when there's a time and a place for cooking and for laundry and for homeschooling and all those things. Um, So I don't have to stress about those things when it's not their time. And the the two top two to-do list thing also gives me that mental stress relief because I know the most important things so I can let go of the smaller things until it's their time to get done. And that's just an easy tip that's totally free that anybody can do is just even if it's a post-it note or a journal or on your phone and in, in the reminders app, just keep um, the two most important things you have to do that day at the top and try to accomplish those. And if you get through that, consider it a success and that's awesome. Um, and just some other fun uh, New Year's experiments or challenges you can try that are free or almost free that I would encourage anyone to do. And just some fun ones. And I'd love to hear if you're trying any of these. I just compiled some of my favorites either from the past or things I'm going to be continuing this year. And the first one I would say is sleep and sleep is free or almost free. And of course, as moms, there are many situations that make it difficult to get enough sleep, but in general, um, sleep is one of the best things we can do for our health. It's also free and it's, most of us aren't getting enough, but really sleep is a non-negotiable when it comes to health. So we know that sleep helps the body restore and heal. Really it's vital for hormone production for us to have a good mood in the next day. It can aid in weight loss. And basically, if you aren't sleeping, you aren't healthy. And even just one missed night of sleep can give you the blood sugar levels of a diabetic or a pre-diabetic. So sleep is that important. And it's pretty simple to make sleep changes if you can commit to it. And granted, of course, there's a lot of conditions that go into play here. If there's something more serious, you might need to work with a doctor. But um, there's some just simple things that I've found that really help with sleep which is um, what I found is creating a sleep environment really helps a lot. And there's also some routine things that can help improve sleep. So for instance, a daily or nightly routine can make a really big difference in how easily you can fall asleep and stay asleep. And I found that this is very much a personalized thing. There's a lot of experimentation to find out what's going to work best for you. But based on my own experience, here are some helpful suggestions I've, I've experimented with over the years. One is to wake up and go to bed at the same time, even on weekends. And this is a hard one because I'm definitely one who would love to just sleep in on Saturday mornings and stay in my pajamas. But um, from the data, we know that to keep your hormone cycles regular, you actually, it's helpful to the body to sleep and rise at the same time. Um, Simple things like avoiding caffeine after noon. My husband doesn't have to do that. For instance, he can drink coffee right before bed and sleep, but I'm definitely one who has to avoid caffeine later in the day or I can't fall asleep. There is a free app called Flux, F.L-U-X. 
It's on, you can put it on computers and devices. I think it's even on phones now, or you can use night shift on an iPhone. And this reduces blue light at night, which is shown to help you sleep better because blue light, the essential idea is that it comes from the sun and that uh, when you're exposed to it, it signals your body that it's daytime and reduces melatonin. So um, flux is one easy way and free way to reduce that. Um, also drinking enough water during the day and hydrating can improve sleep, but you also want to stop drinking about two hours before bed so you don't have to wake up and go to the bathroom. Uh, other small, simple ideas, take a soothing Epsom salt bath or a detox bath about an hour before bed. That raises the body temperature and then the following drop in body temperature back to normal can help you fall asleep. I have also found that dry brushing can really help improve sleep. So doing that a few hours before bed is supposed to really not only help with your skin and your lymphatic flow, um, I've found it really improves my sleep as well. Another free one, I'll talk more about it in a minute, but is to get at least 30 minutes of sunlight each day. And this is huge, especially, um, this is even if you aren't concerned about the vitamin D, it's not just about that, it's about the light. So the exposure to a wide spectrum light during the day, this boosts serotonin levels, which will then in turn help improve melatonin levels at night when you're trying to sleep. So the more time we can spend outside, there's so many health benefits and I've written about it before, um, but that's a free and easy and all around healthy thing to do anyway. Um, and as a corollary to that, avoiding artificial light as much as possible after the sun goes down, because again, our body's not used to blue light or bright spectrum lights at night. So the way we do this, um, we have really bright spectrum natural bulbs in our house that are on during the day. And ideally, we're just outside as much as possible. And then after sundown, we have lamps that have only orange spectrums and they're very low light. So that creates the feeling of dusk or of just being around a campfire and signals the body to start making melatonin. Um, we found that also helps the kids sleep. Um, and also stretching before bed can help relax muscles and release sleep hormones. Another thing I would encourage anyone to do, especially with kids, is to um, make little tweaks to your sleep environment. And this has been huge for me. We know from the data that your sleep environment is really important for sleep quality. So things like artificial light or too warm of temperatures or noises or even EMFs can all affect sleep quality. But these things are almost always fixable. You have, in most cases, you have pretty good control over your sleep environment. And this is, again, very personal, but some of the things that I've noticed that seem to be pretty universal are removing all artificial light. Um, and this one, I I know there's some resistance when it comes to kids. And I am I can say from my experience, experience with six of them that this makes a big difference in their sleep. And if you want your kids to sleep more, which I think most parents do, uh, or you want to sleep more, which I think most parents also do, this is a great one. So this means covering up things like alarm clocks, uh, TV lights, phones, we use blackout curtains in all of our rooms because there are street lights outside. Uh, we cover our alarm clocks with a towel. Kids don't have night lights, and this all just helps us sleep well. And I've realized how sensitive I am from now having removed all artificial light. I actually travel with a roll of electrical tape because if I'm in a hotel and there's like a smoke alarm light or something like that, it will keep me up all night. Um, keeping the temperature low, they say the ideal is about 65 to 67 degrees, but always below 70 is supposed to help hormones uh, for sleep. Trying things like white noise, like rain or ocean, uh, our kids like Gregorian chants, those always tend to help them sleep. Kids especially, it tends to just um, keep any other noises from waking them. And we also traded our alarm clocks for either um, like gentle alarms on our phone or a sunlight alarm clock that wakes us up with light. And there's a lot of interesting research there as far as light and hormone signaling. 
So those are some sleep tips. Uh, I mentioned it under the sleep category, but I would also say it's a good New Year's experiment or challenge to spend more time outside because I've written about it a lot. Nature has a ton of benefits, but just going outside a few minutes a day can be great for health in a lot of ways. So my doctor, Dr. Alan Christensen, he specializes in thyroid health and adrenal health, and he has done a lot of research in this area. And he's found that just even 20 to 30 minutes of outside time, especially in the morning, shortly after waking up, really helps improve the circadian rhythm and makes like noticeable and lab test provable changes in hormone levels. So that's a really great thing to do. Uh, to improve. So his advice is to go outside for 30 minutes within an hour of waking up, if possible. And um, so his tip is that your body uses cortisol to rescue you from low blood sugar. Um, he said you can also use carbs this way because you can help use them to regulate your cortisol, especially if you are having sleep problems. So he said start your day with 25 to 35 grams of protein and finish with carbs. So basically his plan, eat proteins and fats in the morning, eat carbs at night. And these options could be things like sweet potatoes or turnips or squash or beets or rutabagas. It does not have to be bread. But having some healthy carbs late at night helps with the cortisol levels and it can also help improve all your hormones like leptin and ghrelin and a bunch of others. But that again starts with getting sunlight in the morning. So that's a really easy free tip and it's great for you. Other things that we're trying or that are free and that foster a lot of good things in life are Uh, gratitude. And I've written about this as well, but we know that stress has a negative impact on health. uh, But research is now finding that having a quote unquote attitude of gratitude can be an antidote to stressful situations. Because in modern life, we can't avoid things that are stressors. And even if we don't feel mentally stressed, we're still encountering artificial light and we're still encountering EMFs and we're still encountering situations which our body considers stressful. So But the research has found that grateful people or those who perceive gratitude as a permanent trait rather than a temporary state of mind have an edge on those who aren't as grateful when it comes to health. Um, There's a lot of research on this. So grateful people are found to take better care of themselves. They engage in more protective health behaviors like exercise and healthy diet, and they tend to just also be more involved in their communities. So cultivating an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude is linked to better hormone balance, better immune function better ability to relax, that one makes sense, and even decreased rates of disease. But there's an interesting paradox here. So um, it's easy to fall into the trap, I think, especially this time of year with the holidays, falling into the trap of thinking if only I had XYZ, I'd be happy, or if only I didn't have to deal with XYZ, I'd be happy. But this is a pretty vicious cycle. Um, There's a really interesting TED talk from someone named Sean Anker, and he points out that Gratitude and happiness are the first step in this, not the end result. So making the choice to be happy and have gratitude is not only healthy, but it can improve our performance and our ability as well. So in other words, it's not that if we had these things or didn't have to deal with these things that we would be happy, but if we can cultivate happiness and gratitude, those things won't seem as bad to begin with. But as human beings, I think negativity is an easy trap to fall into because It sounds really simple just to be grateful, but it turns out there's a lot of biological reasons that that doesn't come so easy, and that's not a bad thing. We just have to understand it so we can counteract it. Um, So by all measures, like if, if you're listening to this right now, our living conditions are better than most of the world. We probably have all eaten food today. Most of it was even food that we chose and enjoyed. Uh, We're probably wearing clothing right now. We probably have friends and a social support system or family members that we talk to regularly, which are all super important signals for health. So we all have objectively plenty to be grateful for, but it's 
really easy to dwell on financial problems. Or for me, the one negative comment on a blog post or the one thing we could wish we could fix about our bodies. Um, and this makes sense from a biological standpoint, because in, in past times, especially those were survival mechanisms, we had to be aware of things like that. But they can make gratitude really difficult in today's world because we're wired to pay attention to things that could be negative or harmful as a survival instinct. But when we're in a world where we're getting constant input from the internet and from social media and from the media on negativity, this interest can backfire. So um, like I said, we try to cultivate gratitude in our family. And I know a lot of people really are focusing on that. Um, But some things that have helped us with cultivating a grateful attitude, um, which is again, also a free thing to do to make gratitude a habit. Um, A couple tips that have helped me One is to have a daily list. So I mentioned I do this in my journal, but every day I just write down a few things I'm especially grateful for. And this could be little things like my garden or having a dishwasher, or it could be big things like my children and my husband. But I found that this helps me keep the focus on all the blessings in my life instead of the the hard things. And I find that when I do it first thing in the morning, it kind of sets the tone for the day. So my advice would be to kind of tie all that in together, go outside if you, if you can, depending on where you live, uh, or at least sit by a window and get bright light in the morning and write down things you're grateful for. Um, another thing that I love doing once in a while is writing gratitude letters, which I will just write a letter to a friend or a family member, just thanking them for their influence in my life and letting them know all the reasons I'm grateful for them. Because I think, again, it's also easy to find um, struggles even in family relationships. And I think that occasionally writing, thinking about and writing down these things help you also keep that focus on the people you love while you're grateful for them. Uh, And then finally, another one that really helps me at least is doing acts of kindness. And I feel like doing small, especially unnoticed good deeds every day, for me, tends to boost the natural tendency to be grateful and to look for the good in any kind of situation. And also, it just takes us away from, it's all about me, um, or thinking of myself first. And obviously, like, anyone. I have a long way to go on that, but that's something that's been really helpful to me. And I love sneaking in those small acts of kindness to others, especially if they can't catch me. So those are just a few of the free, not goals, not resolutions, but experiments and challenges that we are focusing on and adopting this year. And I'd love to hear from you guys on social media. Maybe tag me on Instagram. I'm wellness mama there uh, with a picture of you and what your doing this year and how you're challenging yourself and how you are helping others or being grateful or what experiments you're going to try in your life. Um, Because I love to hear from you guys and I'd love to hear from the community. And again, also keep an eye out. Subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already to keep an eye out because I'll probably announce it here first when the big changes start happening. Um, But there's a lot of really fun projects coming down the works this year that I'll just say are going to make it a community and we'll leave it at that. Um, But to that note, I'd love to hear from you. So please tag me on social media and say hi and happy new year. Um, But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending a little part of your new year with me and for spending time here today. And um, I can't wait to see you around this year more and happy, happy new year. I hope it's a wonderful 2018 for you and for your family. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.